0: Good morning. I'm back. <laughs> and I'm glad to be here. You know, I, I had a meeting on uh, Tuesday in the area, and so I snuck over to the building, and uh, I didn't have to break in. There was somebody there, but man, it is amazing. I was telling your pastor earlier, I was so glad that I was able to, to go in, uh, in during the purchase process and see it from then to now, and uh, so I, I uh, just an exciting, exciting day for this city, for the community. You know, I, I wrote in my journal a while back that I want to be thinking about, and maybe it's a product of my age or whatever, but I want to invest in things that have like a hundred-year vision. You know, theoretically, you know, the, the work that you're doing right now plants a church here that could, could go a hundred years. And so when you're sweeping up that stuff and hauling out that stuff and painting that stuff, think, man, I'm a part of something that could change generations, and, uh, and I want to be a part of that stuff, too, don't you? So. Well, it's good to see you, and I know that sounds like a, a, a phrase that, that we just, I didn't even hook up, but it was working, right? That was a phrase, that the sound guy saying, pick that thing up. It's a phrase that we say, I say as a greeting, but as I was thinking about it uh last evening, I really do mean that. It's not just a greeting to me. Um to rep you you represent a community that's on a journey and I, I find it uh such a gift to me to be able to every now and then come alongside and take a couple steps on the journey with you and then uh uh and then I I disappear <laughs> and then I come back. But you uh uh, if you're new here today, uh, that's exactly what you're doing. You're walking alongside a community of, of Christ followers, and, and you can have the opportunity to both join Christ and the community on the journey, and that's an amazing, amazing thing. Some of you have had that experience where you've, you've been walking along, maybe on a vacation, and some, you have come alongside somebody, and suddenly your hearts are knit together. It's, it's a gift of, I think, um, humanity, but it's also a gift of the kingdom of God. Um, I know I say it each time, but you, know, you have a great pastor and, and, and uh, family that lead this church. They lead it with everything they have, and you know that. <laughs> everything. Day and night, all their, all their, their energy and their, their resources and their heart and their passion to love you, and, and I uh, would never want to not acknowledge that uh, as a gift. So in case you don't know, my name's Nick. And uh, I, uh, I serve on the board of this church, and I'm also a, a cheerleader and maybe sometime a uh, strategist. Uh, throw a couple ideas, though. I found that your pastor does not need any motivation for big ideas. Uh, that's not my task. My task is okay, but how? How? <laughs> well, I'm honored to share in this series. We are. And uh, last week I had the opportunity to jump in and talk about We Are Clay and this idea that God is at work in every one of you. You know, it takes the pressure off. If you ever, uh, you know, early on in my life when, when I had these tools that I used to talk to people about Jesus, one was called the Four Spiritual Laws. And uh, one was, you know, God has a plan for your life, and, and I want to tell you about that. And so if I was on a plane ride, and all of a sudden they say we're about to land, I said, oh, no, oh, no, I've got to tell the person next to me that they need to know Jesus. And then I came to the place where I realized God is always at work in everybody. And I get to, on occasion, come alongside, and I'm grateful for that. But lastly, we talk about God is at work, and he's worked through our whole life. And that part of that work is that we're clay. Uh, that's not qu- in question. It's whether it we're soft clay that the master is shaping. Because we saw in that story that you can be hard clay, or you can jump off the potter's wheel, or you can bring in poison through activities that are uh, a step or two away from what God's best for you is. So we want to have this prayer, God continue to make us soft clay in the hand of the potter. Well, this week we're looking at a different metaphor. Now, you know, some of the, I would say, more difficult moments in my life is when I come to a realization. And that realization is that uh, I have allowed others or the crowd to determine my actions, activities, or thoughts. In other words, I've allowed others to define right and wrong based on me just identifying with them. I've allowed others to define what success or happiness or failure or confusion is as I've looked around. And I get carried away with the crowd. Those are those are painful times. And some of the other painful times that have existed in my life is when, when I feel like I'm alone in a particular idea or a particular passion or a particular belief system. Um, you know, there's a there's a great line in, in um, one of the recent. Uh, Star Wars movies, and it's my belief system isn't based on whether you agree with it or not. (laughs) You know, I think that sometimes my belief system is really weighted on how everybody else feels about it. And those are the the difficult times in my life. And so nothing in me wants to be a sheep. Our message today is we are sheep. (laughs) I don't want to be somebody who just follows the crowd. I want to think for myself. I don't want to be vulnerable if I've left the crowd or distracted. None of that. But yet our topic today is we are sheep. So I'm in a difficult corner. And when I received this assignment, I went, that's a difficult assignment. (laughs) But we're sheep. I guess that's put you and I kind of in a tough spot this morning. What do we do with this identity designation that we are sheep? Do we deny it? Ah, That's everybody else. Do we rebel against it? No, you can be that, but I'm not. Because this series is to encourage us who we are. But let me just say, if there's this deep, hardwired part of creation of humans that are sheep, and there's plenty of evidence of that, then there's something here for us to look at this morning. Let Let me make something clear. When the... When the biblical writers record the statements, either from the prophets or from Jesus, that we are sheep, it is never a compliment. (laughs) It's one of those when you hear, we are sheep, you don't go, amen. You go, oh, no. Right? Because it's not a compliment. Sheep are among the dumbest animals on the planet. Most animals will survive if they're released into the wild. They'll learn to fend for themselves. Not sheep. They'll just stand there and die. (laughs) Sheep cannot take care of themselves. Unless there's a shepherd that makes them move, they will stay right where they're at and eat every single blade of grass and literally ruin the land. Unless a shepherd moves them along because they're sheep. Sheep are nearsighted, very stubborn, easily frightened. That's why a little dog can bark a little bit and and like move hundreds of them because they're dumb. They have no means of defense. Think about a sheep. You can just knock them over. I mean, they're just, they're timid, feeble creatures. (laughs) Their only defense is to run from their predators. And they're slow. (laughs) Sheep have no homing instincts, right? Right? I mean, a dog runs away, and miraculously, they find their way home. A cat runs away, and miraculously, if a bird flies away, miraculously, it finds its way home. If a sheep is lost, you know what it is? Lost. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I'm glad to announce today, we are sheep. (laughs) Totally dependent on a shepherd. We're sheep. We know that it's true, or at the very least, we definitely have sheep tendencies. History's kind of borne that out, right? Think about the grade school playground. Kids run around everywhere. Why? Because kids are running around everywhere, like sheep. Or imagine to me, high school, and I have four children, and I have actually heard this response. Why did you do this? Oh, Dad, because everybody's doing it. Or maybe as you move into adulthood and you begin to gauge what house you buy, what job you take, what car you drive, what clothes you wear, based on everything around you. You see, there's plenty of reason to support this idea that we have sheep tendencies so have a nice day it's nice to be with you today (laughs) however we go to the scriptures and we start with a very beautiful passage in the psalm 100 says this know that the lord is god and that he has made us And that we are His. You notice I've I've been here now a few times so now I can actually yell when I preach. (laughs) (laughs) Rob knows I don't yell very often. I just throw it in there every now and then to remind people I'm Pentecostal. If it is He who made us and we are His, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. This is a... It's a beautiful, tender, personal statement. So while I struggle with the idea, my struggle has to bang up against this idea that this was God's strategy to care for sheep. We are His. That makes it okay. And we can live in his pasture. And there are other passages throughout the Old Testament that speak of this. But history then also reminds us that the sheep tendencies can exist, even in this idea. The, The prophet Isaiah writes, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Aha, back to that. And each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God has made provision for our sheep tendencies. God has made a way out. God has made a way to live. And it's really what we're about to celebrate over the course of the next few weeks, particularly on Good Friday and gratefully on Easter. But there's a category of sheep, and it's what I'd like to focus on in these few moments today. And that category of sheep is a group that's distinctly different from all the rest. They're living in a profound and fulfilling way. They are, They are sheep to the full <laughs> because of this. And if you just, your coffee just kicked in, here's what I want you to hear Sheep that are in care of the Good Shepherd. We are sheep, but that's not a period at the end of that sentence. There's a comma, and it says, In care of the Good Shepherd. You see, this is how we find our true identity. Not in our sheep tendencies, but in who chose to be our shepherd. Not in the characteristics of sheepness, but in the characteristics of the good shepherd. So we spend most of the next few minutes in the Gospel of John. The Gospel are the first four books of the New Testament, and they're written by four different guys who took a different view of the same activities. And John records the words of jesus and we'll read those words we're going to go john chapter 10 and i'll begin reading at verse 7 therefore jesus said again very truly i tell you i am the gate for the sheep all who have come before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep have not listened to them i am the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And a thief comes only to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. And I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. So this image we begin with from the writer of John, recording the words of Jesus, is this idea that some of us are not all that familiar with because I'm not sure how many of you grew up as shepherds in the, the Middle East. If you did, in and at least in biblical time, you would have known that a shepherd will, will build a, a really a circular pen for his sheep. And he'll leave an opening and at the evening he'll call and all the sheep will come into the pen. And then he'll lay his body across the opening. Nobody comes in and nobody goes out. And Jesus says this to a group of people that saw that every single day. They knew exactly what he was talking about i have to explain to you because you didn't see it on the way here today but they saw it on the way to hearing jesus and the moment he said i am the gate every one of them knew exactly what he was saying that he would take his body and he would lay it across the entry to the pen and nobody was getting in and nobody was getting out unless he allowed it and as he describes that he said you'll be safe man isn't that a good word he said, he said, you'll enjoy freedom to come and go. He said, and this is the, the meat of that paragraph, he said, you'll have life to the full. Again, we don't feel the tension of the contrast to say that a sheep could have life to the full. But that's what Jesus was saying. You see, the good shepherd goes on. And in verse 11, He says this sentence, I'm the good shepherd. And then he defines the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Notice the emphasis on this passage here is not so much on the sheep. It's on the shepherd. So our tendencies as sheep aren't the dictating factor. The dictating factor is the good shepherd. See, he has this unrestrained commitment. He lays down his life for the sheep. Takes all that he has and points it toward the care of the sheep. Risking all. You know, some of you have a friend. Not all of you. That would die for you. It's a rarity. But if you have a friend who would die for you, there's a certain way that you can live. You can live with deep purpose. You can live with a certain sense of confidence and protection and partnership. To know that somebody would die for you is a profound way to live. But now this verse ramps it up and says, not only that, the creator of the universe sends his son to die for you. And that gives you life. It gives you freedom. It gives you joy and provides confidence. I don't don't know about you, and I don't know a lot about sheep, but I know that is a good shepherd. That I do know. Let's continue on in the passage. The hired hand, verse 12, is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And when the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, the man who runs away because he's a hired hand. And he cares nothing for the sheep. This is just a contrast. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'll lay down my life for the sheep. But let me compare that to the hired hand who sees the wolf going and say. Not worth it. They're all yours. It's a huge contrast. No sense of ownership. The sheep didn't cost him anything. So, the checklist so far of a good shepherd. He's the gate. He lays his life down so that a protection, so nobody gets in, nobody gets out so that we can have life and come and go freely. He puts his personal welfare, literally lays down his life for the sheep, in contrast to the hired hand. Listen to this. Any foe of the sheep don't deal with the strength of the sheep. They have to deal with the strength of the shepherd. Any foe of the sheep are not faced with the strength of the sheep. Their strength, they're faced with the strength of the shepherd. We're going to come back to that because you should actually be standing and cheering at that point. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Let's finish up this passage. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. My shepherd knows every one of them, what they look like, what their tendencies are. They say, I was reading now, uh, Philip Keller, who wrote a book on the 23rd Psalm. And he really, he was a, he was a, a, a sheep herder for many, many years. And he said, you knew every, you know how, a, certain, how, how a, a sheep would walk? You know how they looked? You know what their facial features were? A shepherd could just look and know. Every, I would look at 50 sheep and say, yep, there's 50 sheep. But a shepherd knows his sheep. He knows what spooks them, what pleases them, what guides them, what comforts them. There's never a surprise for the shepherd. you probably heard me say it before. God will never say, I didn't see that one coming. They know the shepherd. In fact, first century shepherds could, could do a certain whistle and maybe... Four or five hundred sheep on a hill, one hundred of them would just come out and come to that shepherd because they know the shepherd and the shepherd knows the sheep. The good shepherd, you know there's other images in the scripture that talk about God's real man, particular care one one is found in in the in the book of Isaiah. It says, engraved in the palm of his hand. Think about that. The God of the universe would use an expression about you, that you're engraved in the palm of his hand, that you're always present of mind. That's a beautiful image. The scriptures talk about an eye continually searching across the planet. If you ever feel like nobody knows you, if you ever stay, I probably if we took a show of hands, I bet there would be one or two that would say, I've said these words, nobody understands me. Nobody feels what I feel. Nobody could. And I would say, it's not true. God knows. In fact, the good shepherd knows Is sheep, how they walk, what they're fearful of, where they're vulnerable, what their strength is, what their beauty is, what's important to them. And then there's this New Testament idea that even the hairs of your head are numbered. Indeed, that's very tender. And then in the prophet isaiah says this a bruised reed he will not break a smoldering wick he will not snuff out in faithfulness he will bring forth justice you know sometimes god can get a bad rap is this judgment god that if you step over the line it's going to wipe you out you better not go outside because you'll be struck by lightning if you're going to keep acting like that And then you read a passage like this that says, you know what? He knows you, and he's tender. Let me finish up the passage. Jesus then declares himself as the good shepherd through the death and resurrection. This really prepares us for what the church celebrates worldwide in just a few weeks. And in 15 through 18, he talks about, I have other sheep, which he's talking about you in that passage. He's talking to the people that are present with him, and he says, you know what? There's some that you don't even know. They're outside this fold. And, And he said that I'll lay my life down, and I'll pick my life back up. And he really speaks about the authority that he has to be a good shepherd. And then something odd happens at the end of our passage, but not that odd. Everyone responded to this message. Some said, He's raving mad. Who would ever listen to him? And others who heard the exact same thing said, I'm listening. He opens the eyes of the blind. See, sheep are kind of unpredictable. and They can hear the same things and respond differently. But we are sheep. You are sheep. Just not ready to cheer about that, are you? (laughs) But you are sheep of a good shepherd. I wish, some of you have seen that that movie uh, Men in Black. And there's a, they had a flashlight, they could flash in your eyes and you would forget everything, right? I wish I had that, that ability right now because I want to read you something that I wish you were hearing for the first time but some of you have heard it but imagine for a moment you've just listened to me describe the good shepherd and how much he cares for you And if I had time I'd, I'd name every one of your names and then I would say listen listen to this but I can't do that, but I'll ask you to listen very carefully. You ready? If you want to close your eyes, that's okay, but you don't have to because that's kind of presumptuous of me to ask because you don't know if I'll throw a water of paper at you or something. <laughs> ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in wine. Let me read that again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even, and some of you have been down this path, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. (laughs) Listen to this. It's okay to be a sheep. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in what It's okay to be a sheep if you have a good shepherd You are sheep, you can't deny that but you have a good shepherd and he's the gate so that you can have life to the full, and he lays down his life for you and picks it up again, and he'll take the challenge of the enemy that comes, and you will know his voice, and he'll know you. And the result of that is you can live a life well lived. You see, all the vulnerabilities of sheepness are eliminated when you have a good shepherd. There's one final image I'd like to share with you, and then I'll pray. Jesus tells another story to a very hostile group of people. You know, sometimes we have this image that Jesus just talked and everybody went, "Wow! Sometimes everybody left. Sometimes they tried to kill him. Sometimes they tried to throw him in jail. But he was speaking to a hostile group of people. He said, let me me tell you a story. And he tells them this story. We'll close with this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together said rejoice with me I've found my lost sheep I'll tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous people who do not repent That's the good shepherd You may be lost He's coming after you He's searching You may, you may have never been with a good shepherd, but here's the good news today. He's, he's not waiting for you to come. He's coming after you. You don't have to wait till you clean yourself up and get all your stuff in order. He'll just come after you. So I encourage you to turn to him. And then there's others of you that are like me. They grew up in the church, and I've known God my whole life and wandered off. doesn't say, well, if you've known God and you wander off, then you're done. It says, no, if you're with the herd for a long time and then you wander off, the shepherd's coming after you. That's a good shepherd. And some of you, if we took time now, would stand up and say, and I am so glad he came after me. Because that was not a good path. Remember, sheep don't have a good, you know, find their way back home. (laughs) When they're lost, they're lost. And sometimes he comes after you through a friend. Sometimes he comes after you through a spouse. Sometimes he comes after you through your children. Sometimes he comes after you through a grandmother who's going to keep on praying for you every stinking day. Sometimes he comes after you through a stranger. But he'll keep coming. And he'll keep coming. He may have wandered, <laughs> but he's coming. So, what does it look like for us? Individually, we turn because he's coming, but collectively, we are sheep. I, I think I, I think that's uh, that's the beautiful thing about this particular series, is it really speaks about the individual and the collective. We are sheep. There's joy in the journey together, and and you know what it's like when when a wanderer returns. Man, that's why we do this. That's why we get to do this. And you know what it's like when when people come from all different places and God puts together a collection of people and says, "They're, they're my sheep. In the 1700s, a woman wrote a song. I grew up Baptist. Anybody else grew up Baptist? <laughs> Way too many. No, no, no. I, I'm grateful. And in fact, I, I love my heritage and have tremendous friends. Who, But in Baptist, my, my church, we, we sang three to four hymns every week, man. And they were good. Good stuff. And here it is. Listen to this. The 1700s. Savior. Like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us. For our use, thy fold prepare. Blessed Jesus. Some of you are humming it in your mind. Blessed Jesus. Thou has brought us. Thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us, Thine we are. A sheep, that's nothing to cheer about. We have a good shepherd. That's everything to cheer about. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, and I want to lead us in a, in a prayer before they lead us in a final song. It's a very personal story for each of us. Sheep are very individual, just like everybody in this room is individual. And something that that I may have said in the last 30 minutes is very personal to you. And I don't want you to lose that. And so I would ask that as we pray, you just recognize we're all sheep. we can have a good shepherd. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you're a good shepherd. Thank you for those of us that maybe have not even come close yet. You're coming after us. And maybe today, you've caught us. And those of us, maybe on the outside, everybody thinks we have it all together, but our heart has wandered off. Some bitterness has creeped in. Some unforgiveness has found its way around. Some old habits have have raised their head and won. But the shepherd is in search to bring us back. And I pray, God, that the good shepherd would do his work, even as we sing this final song and as the pastor comes and closes that the shepherd would have the freedom in this place to care for the sheep. In Jesus' name, amen.